Welcome everybody to the Nerdpool Podcast with the fat fool who loves Deadpool, your host, Jamie. The water's fine. Come on in. What's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Nerdpool Podcast. As always, I am your host, a fat fool that loves Deadpool. Yes, it's me, it's me, it's a J-M-I-E, your 76th favorite podcast host, and as always, your Sherpa down the road of nerdiness. And today, we're going to be talking Infinity Wars. It's just hit theaters. I've seen it three times this weekend already. And I think this movie can be summed up in one simple phrase. Five in a glass case of emotion. That's right. This movie is insane. Um, before we get drilled directly into it, I just want you to hear my very first reaction from the initial screening of Avengers Infinity War the first time I've seen it it's about two minutes long it's not a lot but I just want you to hear the the, the shock in my voice as, as I and I honestly don't know what I've seen at this point I have not processed everything so before we get officially into the podcast I would like you all to hear that so we're going to jump right into that right now I'll see you at the end of it what's up everybody it's it's me um just got out of seeing Avengers Infinity Wars sitting in the car right now and I just wanted to get my first reaction from the movie for y'all to hear before the podcast starts and you get the breakdown of everything wow um, 10 years and it led to something fantastic and I, I honestly don't know how to feel right now there is a lot to process in this movie I mean, it is, it's, it's nuts. There, from the beginning to end, it's, it's crazy. I, I, I'm not going to lie, I cried a bit. Um, there's parts in this movie that are heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. And they leave on a cliffhanger. And I don't know how it's going to go. And that's the exciting part, but also worrisome. Because we got another year of me and everybody else trying to make this movie make sense and trying to figure out where everything goes. It, I wow, like I'm still in shock at at this movie and what just transpired. That's two plus hours of just balls to the wall nonstop. Like you don't get a moment to breathe, and it's oh. It's insane. Um, not bad at all. I just, I can't. Processing it is difficult right now. It's really difficult to process what's going on. I'm still so just, wow. Beautifully shot. Perfect movie. Top to bottom. Loved it. It's my first reaction to it. I mean, straight out, I, I can't, I can't even, I can't even get everything in the words right now because I'm still processing what I just saw, what just happened, and the event that transpired. So there'll be more in depth into it, but I wanted y'all to hear just the first initial shock of reaction from me. Go see it. Just go see this movie. Just go see this movie. Guys, I mean, you you seen, you heard it right there as I I talked about it. It was just it was shocking, and I couldn't processing it took a lot. I mean, it was this movie is nuts, and I'm telling you right now, um, the first bit of this I'm gonna try not to drop spoilers, but I will be dropping spoilers in this episode. I'm gonna let you know right before I get into the spoiler parts, so you can listen right now. And if you haven't uh, seen the movie yet. First off, what's wrong with you? Go help this movie make a billion dollars in a weekend. But you might want to stop it just anyway because we all know that I drop spoilers without saying spoilers, even though I always say I'm going to say spoilers first. So I just wanted you to get the initial reaction of this movie. This movie is is just incredible. It is a punch in the gut from beginning to end. From the moment the movie starts, you are immediately on a, a journey that is just, it seems never ending, and it doesn't let up, they hit the gas and drop a gear from the word go, and it's just a kick in the balls 
from the beginning. Now, the characters in this, there's so many characters to go from. But we start off with Thanos and his children. And I'll tell you, his children, uh, the Black Order, whatever they're getting called in this, they're they're cool. We don't learn a lot about them. And I think they could have delved a little bit deeper into them. But we do learn about Ma. He's the main one. And he's probably the most powerful one. And his powers are just awesome. Yeah, that's right. The Voldemort lookalike that everybody said from the trailers is is his his powers are just insane of telepathy and being able to manipulate items and you see that in the battles later on you see a lot of interesting stories and understories and twists and turns in this movie that it's crazy that they could fit all this into it with all the characters 10 years of built up characters and we get everybody interacting except for two which I'll get into in a little bit. But, I mean, the the interaction between characters, at times you're thinking there's no way they're going to be able to take every one of these characters and give them screen time without jumbling and just stacking on top of each other. But this, this movie does a great job of giving everybody time to tell their part of the story and to interact with other people that are telling the exact same story going on at the exact same time and interactions that we have not seen before with Thor and the Guardians and Doctor Strange and Iron Man and Spider-Man. It's it's just, and that's not really a spoiler, so don't get on me for that. Um, But at the core of this, you also get some... some, Well, let me me just jump back into the characters real quick and say that... uh, my friend Andrew over at Geek and Thought said that this was like reading a graphic novel. And I don't think anything has I don't think he could have put it any place better because if you've ever read a comic book, if you've ever read a full run of a graphic novel which is, you know, a, a series of comic books and the story are basically put into one trade paperback, hardcover, whatever, you know that when you're going through the stories and especially when there's multiple characters involved in the story arc, you see where this these couple pages are going to be focused on these characters. The next ones will be focused on these. The next ones are going to be focused on these until they bring them all together and they join around. This movie does that perfectly. This is probably the best adaptation of being a comic book you could see because everybody has their own side stories, yet they're all interwoven into one major story. And it is phenomenally done. The Russo brothers did an incredible job. They have hit it out of the park with every Marvel movie they have done. This is their third one now, doing Captain America, Winter Soldier, Civil War, and this. Uh, right now, they're the golden childs at Marvel. I don't think they could do wrong. And we're going to have to wait for Avengers Infinity War, but I seriously doubt that one's going to do any be any worse than this. It is incredible how good this movie is. This is by far the best Marvel movie that Marvel has ever done. That is including the Avengers. In my opinion, this blows Avengers out of the water. Not just because of all the characters you see, and not just because 10 years and the emotional investment we all have in these characters, but simply because the story is so well told. They tie up ends in all the movies. It's all brought together. The character interaction is amazing. We see all the places through the Marvel Universe that we have been led. And all the twists and turns and the alleys. And then we also get to see the, the big bad, Thanos. I mean, Thanos is the big bad of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's the big bad of Marvel in general. And Josh Brolin bringing him to life. I admit, Josh Brolin, the voice sounded right, but I was just wondering how he's going to be able to portray Thanos. And he knocked this out of the park, people. Josh Brolin took Thanos and brought him to life in a way that I didn't think was going to be done. You guys don't understand how amazing it is if you have not seen this movie. And the story told from Thanos' point of view, because Thanos is the main character in this movie. It's not the Avengers, it's not the Guardians of the Galaxy, it's not Spider-Man, it is Thanos. And this is basically told from, really from Thanos' point of view, of Thanos' journey. We've seen the Avengers, we've seen the Guardians, we've seen their journeys. This is Thanos' journey. This is the first time we're seeing Thanos come out and be the... The badass that he is, but also we're seeing how he's becoming the badass that he is. And from Jump Street, it is proven and shown that Thanos is the baddest mf on the planet. So, 
And, and it's not just, they didn't just make him an evil tyrant. They didn't just make him this, this ass-kicking machine. They took Thanos and they found a way to humanize him in this story. To the point to where you see Thanos' point of view of why he's trying to do what he's doing. You see him humanized even though he's not human. He is a titan. He is a god among men. And you see this humanizing of him at a certain aspect in this movie, which we will get into later when I get into the spoiler episode, or spoiler part of the episode. But Josh Brolin, just the, the facial features that he gives, because they did the, the facial scan software and you know to make Thanos and to get him out there, and just his, his portrayal with his visuals, facial expressions, brings Thanos to life in a way that's just amazing and my hat's off to him and I have so much more respect for him to for what he did and I also am not as worried about him playing Cable in the upcoming Deadpool movie now because of this. I mean, I've always liked Josh Brolin, but I was worried about both of these roles and he's just knocked it out of the park. Okay, he's knocked it out of the park. We also get, I want to say there's three to four love stories in this movie and they all have differences they all are not the same type of love story and i'm going to get into delve into these a little bit deeper here in a few minutes but there's four love stories in this and the people you know you get the love story between vision and scarlet witch gamora and star lord thanos and gamora and also Tony Stark and Spider-Man, which they've kind of touched on in Homecoming and in Civil War. It, it To be able to take all the complexities of these entire stories and everybody's arcs and their interactions they've had before and to bring them into new interactions. And like I said, to give everybody enough screen time to where it doesn't feel like you're overshadowing anybody. Everybody stands out in this movie. There is not one person... In this movie that I think really stands out above anybody else as far as getting screen time, as far as getting their stuff in. Now, Thanos stole the show in this movie because of this. He, he stole the show because of how good of a trail it was and the fact that we have not seen him. And we've waited so long to see him that they had to put him out on Jump Street and put him out there. Okay, so that's what they did. Now, everybody else, though, like I said, when it comes to all the Avengers and the Guardians... They all got their screen time. They all got their stuff in without overshadowing anybody. And being put into this world to where they're all connected and didn't even know how they were really connected. But Thanos was the key to every one of them. It's simply amazing. Marvel, thank you so much. Ten years was so worth it. And I'm I'm so upset now that i got to wait another year. But we get so much to talk about. So, people, I'm fixing to jump into a lot of spoilers right now. So, if you have not seen the movie and you care about spoilers, turn it off now because I am fixing to spoil the crap out of this movie. I'm fixing to tell you who lives, who dies, some of the stuff that happens, where the Infinity Stones are. So, five, four, three, two, spoilers. Damn near everybody dies in this movie. Let that sink in. We Everybody was speculating forever who was going to die, who was going to live. We all thought that main characters were going to die. We all pictured Captain America. We all pictured Iron Man because their contracts are all coming up. And they might still. But out of everybody that has died so far, we have seen Loki, Heimdall, Gamora, Star-Lord, Groot, Drax, Mantis, Falcon, Winter Soldier, all of them are gone. Black Panther, gone. That's right, they killed off Black Panther. Now granted, they're, I don't think they're dead. And plus, Vision's gone, Scarlet Witch is gone. I don't think they're dead. And what I'll get by that later on. But let's just start off with the beginning of the movie. We hear the, the distress call from Asgard, the ship that was attacked at the end of Thor Ragnarok, that Thanos attacked. We hear uh, Maul, the, one of the children of Thanos, telling how everybody on the ship has had the great honor of being chosen by Thanos to be killed 
by Thanos. And it's a chilling scene. We see Thor having the crap beat out of him. Standing there as Thanos is over him. We see Heimdall laying on the ground. We see Loki standing as Thanos is trying to get the Tesseract from Loki. And he's saying, your brother's life or the Tesseract. Loki being Loki says, kill him. I don't care. He puts the gauntlet onto Thor's head. And we see that we already have one Infinity Stone in the gauntlet. That is the power gem that was guarded by the Nova Corps on Xandar from Guardians 1. And it's later said that he destroyed Xandar to get this. We don't see that. And I kind of wish we'd have seen him fighting the Nova Corps. Maybe we'll get a flashback of it. I don't know. So he's already sitting with one Infinity Stone in his gauntlet. He needs five more. He's going right now for the Tesseract, which is the Space Stone, which would be two. So then Loki says he's going to give him the Tesseract. He whips it up. And he says, you're not going to win, basically. We have a Hulk. And right there, boom, we see the Hulk charge Thanos. And we see the Hulk start beating the ever-loving hell out of Thanos. And Thanos is as big as the Hulk. And it's awesome that they didn't make Thanos a small guy. They made him hulking and huge and monstrous. And he looked so menacing and good as the Hulk beats on Thanos. His children come. Maul tells him to stop and let him have his fun. And then Thanos proceeds to beat the hell out of the Hulk. Thanos beats the Hulk down. Heimdall grabs the sword. And he, the last bit of strength he has, uses the Bifrost to shoot the Hulk towards Earth. Then, we get Loki saying that he, and they stab Heimdall. Now, out of all the people that people thought were going to die, and all the talk, and all the side characters, I never heard anybody say Heimdall. And I don't know how anybody, everybody overlooked Heimdall, including me. Heimdall was a major character that was not a major character. He was a major side character in the Thor world. And I, I never expected it. For some reason, he never crossed my mind to be one of the ones that was killed. I don't know why. But they stab Heimdall. They have... Thor tied up in metal and Loki goes to tell Thanos he needs a guide on earth and proceeds to give his undying allegiance to Thanos. We see a knife appear in Loki's hand behind him and as he goes to stab Thanos, Thanos takes the soul or the space stone that is in the Infinity Gauntlet that he has gotten from the Tesseract and he stops Loki. And he says, you should choose your words more carefully. Grabs Loki by the throat and chokes him and kills Loki. Loki is dead. Rest in peace to the now second best, sometimes villain, sometimes good guy, always mischievous guy in the Marvel Universe. He was the best villain until Thanos came. Loki, rest in peace. Heimdall, rest in peace. Two down. Two pretty major deaths in the cinematic universe and we are not even 15 minutes into the movie hulk goes through he lands in new york he lands in the palace where dr strange and wong are they find dr strange then teleports to where we see iron man and the now returning pepper Potts and the lovely gwyneth paltrow portraying Pepper Potts. They're engaged to be married. Iron Man's talking about he had a dream about her being pregnant. And she's saying that she's not pregnant. Doctor Strange and tells Iron Man we need we need help. The universe is in trouble. Bruce Banner comes through and they hug for the first time as seeing each other and forever we have not seen them. They come through. They have the interactions. Bruce Banner's telling them about Thanos telling them that who he is, what he's coming. We get the Infinity Stones. Again, the, the origin of it as Wong tells us what is going on. And we get the interactions that are amazing between Benedict Cumberbatch and Robert Downey Jr., Tony Stark, and Doctor Strange. We never get a, a dang Sherlock Holmes reference. You have two Sherlock Holmes and nobody's made a reference to it. 
come on, guys. I know you're not trying to play it like breaking fourth walls, but come on. You, you missed an opportunity for a joke. Anyway, we basically see the cockiness and brashness of Tony Stark and Doctor Strange colliding. And Doctor Strange calling Tony Stark a douchebag is just icing on the cake of how these guys are so alike and yet so different. They're both cocky, brash, arrogant. They're both very intelligent men. And they're they're on opposite ends of the spectrum now with Tony being a technologically advanced, you know, uh, guru who's become Iron Man, who's more about technology. Doctor Strange has become a magi- the a wizard. The you know he's become in the ma- in the ma- mystical arts, and it's it's just it's amazing how the characters can be so similar yet so different, and their their interactions are incredible. Then we get to see a little bit coming around as Thanos's children step out in New York to get the Time Stone from uh Doctor Strange. Uh, there's a battle ensues. We get the Hulk trying to come out. Bruce Banner trying to Hulk out. Hulk doesn't want to come out. And that's a running jack joke through this movie is Hulk doesn't want to come out. Hulk got his ass kicked. Hulk doesn't want to come out now. So he's pretty much worthless. We see Doctor Strange and Iron Man fighting off Maw and another one of Thanos' children as they just destroy through New York. We see Wong helping out. It's a great battle scene that again kicks it up as it's just boom right there at you. This is our first interaction to Spider-Man as he comes into the movie at this point. We get this first thing of Spider-Sense that we've seen from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It goes forward. It is awesome. He comes in. He's kicking ass. He's taking names. He's being Spider-Man. He's being Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Can we just talk about how good of an actor Tom Holland is? And I'll get into a little bit later on when I mean this. Tom Holland is playing this role perfectly as the kid who who wants to be a, an Avenger so bad. He just wants to be a superhero. And he feels like you know school is just it's not fun anymore because he's, he's done lived this life of being a superhero. And so he's energetic and he's wide-eyed and bright-eyed and making pop culture references and not really understanding I don't think I don't think he really understands the severity of some of the issues that goes on and the naivety of him thinking that everything's going to be okay kind of plays in later on we see the interactions with with all of the all of these characters there then we go and we get to see we, we get to see Vision and Scarlet Witch and this is one of the first love stories we get into as it's it's really it's really heartbreaking that this love story like it makes you want to cry because all these two do they love each other so much and they're kind of, they're really afraid to kind of say it at first and they they just want to be together they just want to spend time together they just they just want to be a part of each other and and have them in their lives and then immediately vision gets attacked by the children of Thanos. And we see how powerful Scarlet Witch is. Because this movie is basically making her look like one of the strongest characters in the MCU. With her powers. Which we all know from the comics is very very strong. And they amp it up to 10 in this. And at the same time they make Drax look like a punk in this. And Vision. Vision doesn't do anything in this movie besides get his ass kicked. Constantly. He gets stabbed right here from behind. He never saw it, sees it coming. So you kind of understand some of it. I understand him not being healthy the whole time. But he gets his ass kicked from Jump Street in this movie. Okay, But we also get introduced again here to Captain America slash Nomad coming out in full glorious, glorious. beard. And all the ladies swooning for this beard. We also get to see the return of the blonde Black Widow. We get to see Falcon. And it's just another aspect where we can bring these characters together. We've seen these characters interact. But it's on a different level now. Because they're watching out for each other. There's something going on. And while they weren't together, they're back together. We see them go back. We see Thor in space as the Guardians go Listening to Rubber Band Man, which is awesome. You see Star-Lord mouthing the song. You see Gamora. You see Drax asleep. You see 
you see Teenager Groot playing a video game. You see Rocket Raccoon being Rocket Raccoon. They fly to the Asgardian ship that they've heard the distress call for. When they get there, they find everything just obliterated. Not knowing what's going on, Thor lands on the screen and the window. Rocket Raccoon starts immediately saying, get the windshield wipers, knock it off. We see the eye open. Thor's alive. They get him on board. And this... This is the comic relief of the movie. Now, this movie has comedy in it, and it works exactly when it needs to. It doesn't overdo it, and it doesn't underdo it. It's it's the perfect blend of comedy, seriousness, drama, and action. And the interactions between the Guardians and Thor are probably some of the best best comedic timing in this movie with the... Everybody kind of swooning over Thor. Drax saying that he's not a dude, he's a man. You know, a muscly man. And at one point he said he looks like a pirate and an angel had a baby. And you see Star-Lord getting jealous of everybody because they call him fat. They say he's one sandwich away from being fat. He makes a joke about getting a Bowflex and being on getting dumbbells and getting serious. Raccoon, Rocket Raccoon says that you can't eat dumbbells. And as Gamora is holding Thor's hand and going down his arms, you said it's like his arm is made out of some kind of metal. And you see the look of jealousy in Star-Lord's face as he said, don't, don't touch his arms. Put his arm down. And she does. They wake up Thor. Thor's wondering where he is, what's going on. He talks about Thanos for a second. It's the scene we got at the end of Thor Ragnarok when he says, who are you guys? And you see him. Um, they're talking about Thanos. You see Gamora kind of explaining what's happened and talking about him getting the stones. And then when Thor's going to leave, we see Chris Pratt, Star-Lord, start mocking Thor, deepening his voice, trying to trying to actually talk like him. And Rocket Raccoon calls him out on it. Mantis calls him out on it. Everybody's saying, are you deepening your voice? It's a hilarious, hilarious scene. And it ends up to where they need to go make a new hammer for Thor that can kill Thanos so they're going to go to the the star of some place I can't pronounce I'm sorry I've seen the movie three times I still can't pronounce this name I've tried I've tried I've wrote it down I'm like we're just not even going to go there they're going to the star and so Rocket Raccoon who might have a new name because Thor keeps calling him Rabbit and it is hilarious him calling him a rabbit is funny and Groot, Rocket, and Thor go off to find to build Stormbreaker, and the rest of the Guardians go to Titan to try to, or go to nowhere. Excuse me, they go off to nowhere to try to get the Reality Stone and to stop Thanos. We're getting so deep into it. Okay, I'm spoiling everything. We when we get to the Collectors where the Reality Stone is, we see we get a flashback of Gamora. When Thanos took her over, we see Thanos. This is the first time they make Thanos really humanize him. As he sees a young Gamora, he takes her with him. And while he slaughters her half of her planet, he's not letting her see it. He doesn't want her to. He's trying to keep her focused on balancing a blade in her hand that he says perfectly balanced. Just like everything in the universe should be. And he, he's shielding her from seeing all these people murdered. A young Gamora. It's the first time you see a humanizing of Thanos. And you see how Gamora got into Thanos's clasp. His family. Whatever you want to say. How he, she got abducted. Kidnapped. Whatever. But you get the first sense of the, the second part. A second love story. And that's the love that Thanos has for his daughter Gamora. The first little inkling of it, which leads us into the third love story, which is Star-Lord and Gamora. When Gamora says she knows, she knows without saying she knows where the Soul Stone is. And that if Thanos catches her, she needs Star-Lord to kill her. She makes him swear on his mother. He does. They go to nowhere. We think that you kill Thanos out of the gate. We think Gamora's killed Thanos and he's already got the reality gem. As he focuses out and he's talking to Gamora and basically saying, you know, why daughter? And you still kind of get this, that he, even though she's betrayed him, 
he still loves her. And he grabs her and he says, we need to talk. You see Star-Lord come out as he's trying to, he's going to kill Thanos. And Gamora says, you promise me. You see him point the gun down at Gamora. And Thanos is basically telling him to do it. I don't, Thanos knows he's not going to. As we get into it, you hear the first time, I can remember they said it, Gamora says, I love you more than anything to Star-Lord. And he says, I love you too. And he pulls the trigger on the gun. Bubbles come out. Thanos uses the reality stone to turn the gun to Bubbles. Runs away with Gamora. It's a touching, heart-wrenching scene. As you see that Gamora and Star-Lord actually love each other. Like, like they actually really do love each other. And they're, they've never been able to fully, fully express it until that very moment. That very moment, it finally gets to express it. It's the first time we see it, and it's an awe moment, but it's a heart-wrenching moment because Gamora's gone. Gamora goes to his ship on Titan. We find out that he knows that Gamora knows where the Soul Stone is because Nebula tried to kill Thanos. Thanos has Nebula suspended. He's torturing her, and then he, Gamora tells him where the where the soul stone is it's on a nevermir nevermir i believe that's how it's pronounced if i remember right they go there and we see the return of one of my favorite villains from the mcu that only got a little bit and i thought he was gone and that's red skull red skull is back he is an entity of death leading people to the soul stone now i think this could have been a cool place for them to put in the entity of death you know, Thanos' love, because in the comics, Thanos has one true love, and that is death. It's the embodiment of death. It is a skull and a cloak. The female, death is always chasing her. He's always chasing death to try to get to her because of his love. Now, in this, Red Skull looks like that. It kind of takes the place of it. I thought he could have put death in there at that moment, so Thanos kind of gets a, a, a like an inkling of love. You know, maybe they do. Maybe, you know, people have wanted a gay character in MCU for a while. Maybe it's going to be Thanos. You know, you never know. Although, I don't think they're going to make a gay person the the most evil villain in the universe. So, just scratch what I just said. We're just moving on. Basically, Red Skull tells him that he, was, he held the one stone, got transported there, and he cannot hold stones, but he's leading people to that stone. And Red Skull tells Thanos that the only way to achieve the soul gem is to sacrifice something you love. A soul for a soul. And we see this look come over Thanos' face. And Josh Brolin portrayed it perfectly. We see this look of realization of what Thanos has to do. And Gamora starts in telling him, laughing, saying, you know... You've chased the world forever. You've asked the world for this and it's judged you and it's told you no. And you see tears in Thanos' eyes as she's saying you don't love anything. You can't sacrifice anything because you don't love anything but yourself. And tears go and she says, oh, tears, tears. And Red Skull says they're not for him. And that's when Gamora realizes it. And a lot of the audience finally realizes it as Thanos turns around. Thanos loves Gamora. No matter what Gamora has done to him, betrayed him, whatever, Thanos has a love for his daughter that is just unrequiting and unbreakable. He loves her with every ounce of his being. He's wanted her to be his successor. Even still, he wanted her to be the one to succeed him in this. And you get this sense. And he tells her, I let my destiny slip away once. I can't do it again. Not even for you. And that, as it sinks in, you realize he truly loves his daughter Gamora. But he is going to sacrifice her to get this, to succeed in his mission, which is to kill half the planet, half the entire universe. And he gives away his story in a little bit. And basically his story is that when Titan was full, everybody was going 
hungry. You know, they they were using up all the resources, and he gives a speech saying the universe is fight night, and the the more life continues to grow, the more it's going to go away. Basically, saying that that the the universe will outgrow its resources, and he said that he wanted to kill half of everybody, random. He said whether it's rich, young, poor, old, whatever. You know, he he does not discriminate. Just half of everybody's gone. And the universe will be a better place. And so he grabs Gamora and he throws her off the cliff. And you see the heartbreak in his eyes, in his face, as she's falling. And right when he she hits the ground, you see him wince a little bit. He knows he just killed his daughter, the a woman that he loves. The woman that he has raised. And... It's humanized Thanos. They make Thanos in this to where he is, like like I've said before, they humanize him and they kind of make him to where you see where he's coming from. He's not just the, the this this evil, I want to kill everybody just to kill everybody. He honestly thinks that he's the good guy. He honestly thinks what he's doing is right. He honestly thinks that he should, that people should listen to what he has to say. He honestly feels that in his heart of hearts he is not doing wrong he is trying to save everybody and if that means killing half of the the entire universe to save the universe to him that is an acceptable an acceptable currency to pay and they make it to where you kind of feel for him you know the the complexity of this character is just the, the amazing in this entire story arc it's it's just incredible. We get battles. We get battles. I'm not going to do the entire movie, but I mean, I feel like I am. I know. We go to Wakanda as they try to take the gem out of the stone out of Vision's forehead and try to make Vision whole without using the stone because Scarlet Witch doesn't want to. She doesn't want to have to kill him, which they find figure out that you can destroy the stone with a lot of power with a powerful. With a a power that's equal to the stone, and apparently Scarlet Witch has that. We go to the star to get Thor's new hammer, Stormbreaker, where we see the most unintentionally funny thing I never knew I wanted, and that is giant Peter Dinklage. I didn't know I wanted this until I seen it. Okay, guys, I did not know I wanted this until it was on my screen staring me in the face. When you see the when you see a giant Dinklage staring you in the face, you didn't realize you wanted it until it happened. It is hilarious. They try to play it serious with a little bit of comedic and just his his face, just him being there. He, this this little person body, giant bigger than everybody, is hilarious. I, I'm sorry, it was funny. Everybody in the theater laughed at Giant Dinklage. And I didn't know I wanted Giant Dinklage until I saw Giant Dinklage. But they make Stormbreaker with Thor holding up, holding on, holding the machine open as he takes a full blast of a star. As they go down, we found out that Giant Dinklage was on this star and he built weapons for Asgard that were the mightiest weapons ever. Thanos came and they are actually the ones that forged the Infinity Gauntlet for him that could hold the Infinity Stones. They make Stormbreaker. They're looking for a handle to save Thor's life because he needs it to live because he's just taking the full force of a star. And Groot pulls out and makes the handle for Stormbreaker. So Stormbreaker is infused with Groot. We go to it. We're in Wakanda. The battle's coming to Wakanda. We get the Braveheart part of the movie where everybody's just fighting everybody. Black Panther and Captain America and Falcon. And they're all going at Thanos' army. And then Thor comes in from the Bifrost, from the new Stormbreaker, and just starts wrecking havoc. We still have not seen the Hulk. Bruce Banner is in the Hulkbuster suit, which I called... I called that he was going to be in the Hulkbuster suit and not the Hulk. We still see him fighting as every time he tries to get the Hulk to come out, Hulk says no. Hulk got his ass kicked. He doesn't want to come out. He doesn't say that, but that's what they're implying is that he's gotten his ass kicked and he does not want to come out. So he's in the Hulkbuster suit and he's fighting and it's just war and 
just going at it, and it's again a kick in the nuts. Thor comes in, and then we see Thanos back on Titan fighting Iron Man and Spider Man and Star Lord, Mantis, Nebula, Drax, and Drax is just worthless because he gets his ass kicked this whole movie. Drax, they made him in the comics. Drax is so powerful, and they underpowered Drax so much in this series. I don't understand what they're doing. Drax is just a weakling. He's funny, but why are you making him the funny part? I know it, they're doing it like he's not doesn't know he's being funny. Like I've said before, like he to me he's like a toddler who's learned how to beat comedy, but he doesn't really know he's being funny. He thinks everything is funny without being funny. It's very strange, but they make him weak. And we're fighting Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is, goes through the reality of of how what's going on. He's gone in the future. He's seen every reality that could be. He said there's 14,650,000 different ways that the battle can go and end. We find out how many of the Avengers and all of them win. One. We see the Iron Spider suit, which was amazing. Iron Spider suit, legs, and everything. We see the fact that Doctor Strange at one point in this said that when they were going to Titan to take on Thanos, he told Iron Man, he said that he was protecting the Time Stone, and he said that if it comes down to you or Spider-Man, you know, he says the kid, he says that if it comes down to you or the stone, I will not hesitate to let him kill both of you. But when it comes down to this, we're seeing the fight go on. We see them finally get Thanos down. They're trying to get the gauntlet off. Manus has him by the head. She's trying to, to stop his mind. And what happens? And and it's working. And they're getting the gauntlet off. And then Star-Lord finds out Gamora's dead. And begins to pistol whip Thanos over and over. As he realizes the love of his life is gone. And... As the fight ensues, we see Iron Man get stabbed. And as soon as that happened, the entire theater gasped together in unison. Spy Iron Man, we thought he was gone. And what happened? Doctor Strange says, if you save his life, spare him, I'll give you the stone. Iron Man doesn't want him to. He gives it to him. And Doctor Strange tells him it's the end game. He says it had to be this way. Basically saying Iron Man is involved somehow in the outcome of the one they win. That's what I get out of that story. We go down. Thanos comes out in Wakanda. And he starts wrecking shit. Knocking heroes out of the way left and right. Boom, boom. Scarlet Witch is finally where Vision is. And we see her attack the stone. Blow the stone up as Thanos is right there. Vision's gone. The stone's gone. We see Thanos tell her, I've lost more than you could ever know. Basically because she's crying because she just lost the love of her life. And he goes, reverses time, brings Vision back, rips the stone out of his head, puts it in. All six stones are in Thanos' gauntlet. Oh, it's amazing. It is amazing. And then what happens? We see Stormbreaker come up. Thanos shoots at it. Stormbreaker's just shooting through the the force that's coming out of the gauntlet hits Thanos dead in the chest Thanos is dropping down he's on his knees Thor's pushing the axe into his chest and Thanos says you should have aimed for the head and snaps his fingers and boom we get the shocking most shocking part of this entire thing the most shocking thing that happened. Everybody starts disappearing. Half of everybody disappears. Falcon disappears. Scarlet Witch disappears. Winter Soldier disappears. We go up. We see Drax disappear. Star-Lord disappear. They, they just turn into dust and go away. We see Mantis disappear, and Doctor Strange disappears as he tells Tony it had to be this way. And then we get the last love story that's not really a love story. It is an adopted father, an adopted son type relationship. 
as we see Tom Holland in an amazing portrayal here, say he doesn't feel good, and he grabs Tony, hugging him, saying, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, and the look of fear and the trembling in his voice, Tom Holland did an amazing job here. And he really, it's its one of these sadder moments to where I had tears in my eyes watching it. Watching Spider-Man, who's this kid. This kid who just wanted to be a hero. And he's hes realizing he's dying. He's going to die. And to see the fear he had. And then he apologizes to Tony, saying, I'm sorry. Like, he failed him. It's just amazing. It's amazing. As we don't know what's going on, we see Thanos back on Titan, and he does what he said he was going to do earlier in the movie. Well, after it's all done, he said, I'm going to sit down and watch the sunrise. He sits down as the sun's coming up over the ridge, and you see a faint smile come over Thanos' face. Credits. I didn't do this movie justice with what I just said. I just pretty much told you the majority of the movie... And I couldn't, I mean, I just, I don't do it justice. It is so, so good, so shocking. After the first time I seen it, I was, I didn't know how to act. Like, I was messed up for hours. Because you you just lost, I didn't realize how emotionally invested I had become in movies. I didn't think you would get that emotionally invested in a, in a movie series. And I realized... A third of my life has been Marvel movies. One third of my entire life, not my adult life, one third, well, I mean, it's one third of my adult life, but one third of my entire life, Marvel movies have been in my life. I have been invested in these characters. I have watched these characters grow from where they first started, watched them interact with each other, watched them develop friendships, talking right now like they're real people. I know this is the story, but you grow with these actors and you see the 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 portrayal of these characters that have been comic book staples and people that you have read and you you've grown with them and then to see them go away and to see their heartache and their pain it's it's amazing how marvel has drawn us all in if you are emotionally invested in the marvel movies if you're just a casual fan this movie's going to be incredible anyway but you're not going to get that factor that all of us nerds geeks comic book fans whatever movie fans whatever you want to say and call us the ones who go to comic-con dressed as our favorite heroes the one who will debate whether marvel and dc are you know which one's better the ones who will you know argue over this character could beat this character and how do you think that we become so emotionally invested that it it messes with you it really does to where you've lost people, you feel like you've lost members of your family. It's it's insane. I know. I know you're you're some of you are listening to this going, you know, come on guys, it's just a movie, but when you're mad emotionally invested in something that has been a that big a part of your life for so long, it's crazy that something that is trivial, not real, with false fake characters can affect you so much and i'm not saying my life has changed at all i'm not gonna you know i'm not depressed or anything but it's just like wow you know it's just a punch in the gut and the movie from jump street is just lefts and rights and a barrage of punches in a good way the movie is well paced but it is just balls to the wall i don't know how they're gonna go anywhere you know i've got it we've got a year uh i think may it's may 5th of next year is when the next one comes out. We don't even know the actual name of the fourth Avengers movie yet. It's supposed to be some kind of spoiler for the you know what happened in the Infinity War. So, but we're not probably gonna get that name till D twenty three, or you know I don't know which one's coming first, Comic Con or D twenty three. But it's probably gonna be until D twenty three because that's Disney's. But this movie. I mean, it's it's just incredible. And if you are a fan, go see this movie. Go support this movie. Because it, if you're if you're a comic book fan, this is what you've wanted. This is what you've wanted from a comic book movie. This is what you've asked for. If you're just a movie going fan in general, this is has everything: action, comedy, suspense, twist, turns, drama. I mean, this is the full spectrum. This is the best Marvel movie ever, and this is 
top three of the best move, my favorite movies of all time right now. It's crazy. It just came out, seen it three times, and it came out Thursday. I've seen it three times already, and it's top three, my favorite films of all time. There's uh, so much. I'm gonna see it. I couldn't tell you again. I can't tell you how many times I'm gonna see it. But I just go see it, go watch it, and just sit back and enjoy the thrill ride that is Avengers: Infinity Wars. And just be happy that we live in this time to where you can watch this type of stuff on screen. And it's done right. It's done with great purpose. And they put a lot of time and effort into making all these movies lead up to this monumental event. And they blew it out of the water. My hat's off to you, Marvel and Kevin Feige. You guys are just on a roll right now. That's going to be it, guys. I know I've chattered for a damn near an hour talk your ear off, spoil the entire movie for you, I'm sorry, it's just, oh, I got so much I want to say, I got so much I want to say, and so much I, I can't get into words still, just go see it, follow me on Twitter at NerdPoolPod, follow me on Instagram at NerdPoolPodcast, follow me on Twitch, NerdPoolGaming, go like, share, subscribe, let me know what you think, let me know if you liked Infinity Wars, hashtag Nerdpool Infinity Wars. Let, let, let me just know what you like. At, tweet at me. Instagram me. Whatever. Guys, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure podcasting you for all this time. Thank you all for listening to me ramble and just gloat over how great this movie is. Again, if you haven't seen it, please go see it. Because I promise you, I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. No one will leave this theater disappointed. Well, until next time, for all the chimichangas and tacos out there, that's Nerdpool. See ya!